You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, it's Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> snow every other week. Um, flyers are bad. Uh, th- things are fun. Things are fun. Just every other week? <sighs> There's more coming this week. We have some on the ground now. It's kind of just winter. We're just kind of getting hit. Uh, got about a foot. Welcome a week to and mid- a half ago, Welcome two weeks to ago. Midwest living. Yes, sir. Perpetual snowfall. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I just dread the word. Like, if I see it pop up anywhere, I just dread it. Uh, see, I don't hate it. Um, especially, it's it's interesting. My work has closed twice in the last five or six years, to my knowledge. Uh, we have already clo- closed twice so far this season. Wow. Okay. So. Um no, you know what? I just dread it because it's not that I'm going to sit here and tell you I hate it. Like, let's this way. I do most of my work from home. I think that's pretty well documented at this point. Right. It's just, you know, it always seems to come when I least want it to for whatever reason. Oh, I'm going to go do this today. Here There's comes. three Flyers home games in four days. You know, um, like- No, nah, because whatever it is, it's always a one day thing. Like, okay, whatever one day it snows. Because we're... We like we would completely stop operating here if we got the foot you're talking about. We would Fair stop enough. operating for three days. We do this over three inches. It's valid. Like three inches are going to fall. Actually, we had a lot of it, more than expected anyway, last Sunday. Okay. When, like ahead of the Super Bowl, and I was supposed to go pick up a friend to go watch the like to watch the game, and it tur- like it just turned out that it, nothing affected the roads it just piled up on the sidewalks and things like that but it was not a small amount of snow it was probably about four inches so you know the flyers are bad when the first thing we talk about off the top is the the weather (laughs) that's what's just a uh so let's dive do we want to dive right in on where the team's at these days no (laughs) do we have to I think we have to talk about I mean, it. We don't have to talk about it for long because it's a miserable thing to talk about. But we do have to fact, talk well, about the fact that they've lost four games in a row. Okay, we're starting there. <laughs> we have to, right? We're already... No, like, I was going to say get them with the big story, which is the big story is, you know... the, well, next, the big the next story. Month. Right. Next month, exactly. As you're listening, As you're listening to this podcast, this particular episode, we are like the countdown is on people one month to go. Yep. Man. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we, uh, we that's one of those things. I feel like we're going to talk about that a lot over the next four weeks. So we got we some are. time. Yeah, we, we got are. Some time. I mean, it, it, here's the thing. It, what The topic that we're talking about, obviously, is one player in particular who's going to be on the trading block. I think you all know which one. The only um, player that matters. Right. If so, they trade Rasmus Ristolainen, whatever, we all know who we're talking about here. I, I, well, I don't think that's a minor deal by any stretch. So, well, sure. But you know what ma- I mean. It's not the major one. I get that. It's uh, here's the th- here's the thing for me. Yeah, like I get it. We're we're sitting here saying that that's the big one, all that type of stuff. You know, and there's a month out from it. Like, there's no reason. Like, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna touch on the four games that have happened since we did a show because or around that. It, no, it was since we did a show, right? We came back and like we're basically previewing because we did. It was all All Star Game when we right. did a show. So the four games that have happened since, which we're not going to go into crazy details, I don't even do that anymore in writing. Like, no, that's not, fair. There's, because there's nothing to break down. You don't need to break down a team that loses 
as consistently as they do right now. I mean, like it's like, the pattern of blowing third period leads is pretty interesting. It is. All right. So like I was about to compare it to Arizona for a second and go, who's going to break down every single Arizona game. Here's the problem. Even in Arizona right now, I'm sure you could try to look at something and go, well, hey, this player is giving you something, whether it's, hey, they trade that player down the line or, hey, you know, eventually they might have a need for prospects. Like right Man. now they kind of don't like they need to hit the bodies. salary floor and right. bodies. But how miserable you know. is Phil Kessel right now? Just on a night to night basis. How much money does he make? Uh, yeah. And I understand that. But, okay, within the 1%, how miserable is Phil Castle right now? Like, yes, you're still a millionaire, but among well, the millionaires. You, you are, but see, my point is, is that, okay, so here's there's a big difference between being the guy who's kind of what feels like playing it out in Arizona who already won two Stanley Cups and That's the guy fair. and the guy who is on a team, you know, and I'm not trying to single it out to the Flyers here, but, like, you know, pick a guy, you know, and – like, hypothetically speaking, and I know he's not playing, but I'm just throwing his name out there anyway because it's the easiest one I can pull right now. If you're Shea Weber and you haven't won yet and this is how Montreal's playing, Oof. how are you feeling today? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you haven't won. Like, Phil Kessel can sit there, collect his paycheck, and at the end of the day, he's accomplished what he wanted to accomplish as an NHL player. He's won well, the Well, I think at this prize. point, Shea Weber's more worried about getting on the ice again at all i don't even know if he's worried about that i think he's just worried about staying as healthy as he can in general and that's fair and that's that's what i mean by that and and that's why i said i don't want to make it sound like that's a a great example it's not like he's not playing but if but if he was like like, let's say he was and this is still what you get then how do you feel like you were just in a stanley cup final seven months ago eight months ago and now you're sitting here as pretty much the worst as the last place team in the league even worse than arizona is and pretty much, you know, going. I mean, now I granted, I assume that if he was playing, maybe somebody would do him a favor right now, given all the changes that are happening there. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, like Shea Weber came into the league and Carrie Price came into the league and Martin San Luis still had like seven good years left in him. He would have won a cup if Nashville didn't match. Oh, you think? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We're gonna go down the fourteen year what I if rabbit not, hole. I am not gonna go down that rabbit <laughs> hole. You know what it is? Going down that rabbit hole is about as fruitful as going down the rabbit hole that so many people I see doing literally right now, which is trying to talk about any and I'm talking any trade. It's not just the one that's the obvious one. Any trade and trying to figure out what the return is as if this is, you know, franchise mode in NHL twenty two. Let's put it together. Like uh, stop trying to hype, uh, hypothesize and and play in hypotheticals right now. Like the it, only the only what if move I make, by the way, in case you were wondering, is I don't sign uh, Ilya Brzezgalov. Sure, I, I mean, <laughs> so I assume what you're trying to really say is, is that if you don't sign him, then you don't make the other trade. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, yeah, of course you keep Abrovsky at that point because that's no, why no, you no, not him. that one, uh, not that one. I'm talking about the one that freed up the cap space to make the move happen, which is you don't trade Richards and Carter. No, um, I wouldn't say that. I would have been, you know, I, I, I might said, look, Richards was a great, you know, lead by example kind of guy, and people loved him and all that stuff like that. I think there would have come a point within the next couple of years around that trade anyway where you would have felt like you could have. Carter was a little different. I think Carter they didn't need to trade because you had a legitimate what, 35 to 40 goal scorer on your hands and you didn't even keep him for more than 
five years. Right. So it's not even um, like I, I don't even mind trading Richards and Carter. I would just undo the Brzezgalov contract. Literally just that because I'm fine with the, the pieces they got from those deals. And it kind of set the oh, scenes right. like, for the 2010s. And well, you the, throw you throw that money at Brzezgalov when he's due up for a contract and spend the other four million or whatever's left over on somebody else. Well, the Richards deal was very fruitful, I would say, obviously, because they both were. Well, they both were. Yes. But like, look, I don't know. It's 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 really hard for me to look back on it. Like the Carter deal to me, the issue with the Carter deal is that, look, how how was Jake Voracek treated down the stretch? Because the fact that he never shot, you know, and, and what does Jeff Carter do? Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, I don't make the deal in hindsight. It's just like. But if you have Bobrovsky there instead of. Michael Layton and and I love most of these guys, right? You, instead yeah. of Michael Layton, instead of your uh, your Steve Masons, instead of guys like that, if you have what Sergei Bobrovsky was, you mean what he became? I guess well, right. More, that yes. team is better, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy who was traded after what two years? Yeah, like like that's yeah. I hear you there, and 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 believe me, I know it's why there's people out there who are like trigger shy when it comes to. Any name, it's like like the, the, people are going to be trigger shy with Travis Konechny because he's 24, 25. Like, don't do it yet. It's too early. Like that, that's right. why people get because of the fact that every time they've moved a young player like that, whether it was you know Justin Williams, Patrick Sharp, you know, they've gone on to something bigger, better, one somewhere else. And I don't think that that's the common denominator. Isn't hey, it's a 24 year old player. The common denominator is your team was never good enough to win. And they went to a team that became good enough to win, whether it was Williams in Carolina and then eventually L.A. or whether it was, you know, whether it was Richards and Carter both ending up in L.A., whether it was, you know, Patrick Sharp going to Chicago, you know, it doesn't matter. Like they ended up in the right situation at the right time to win. Right. And I, I think the biggest reason now that we can look back on like the 2010s core um, and by that, I mean uh, Giroux, Simmons, Voracek, for the most part, with Couturier probably as the fourth man in there. Um, now that we can look at that group as kind of a failure with two of them gone and a third one very likely gone by the end of the year, we've already touched on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that the one of the reasons that they were a failure was that they never had a goalie. I don't completely agree with that though, because like they didn't have a superstar goalie. I'll give you that, but Mason wasn't as bad as people make him out to be. I I agree, I agree. But the no, that's no, fair. You, no, I think Steve Mason I, was solid. I'll tell you what the real problem was. You never like not that you could, but you didn't anticipate losing Chris Pronger and then that's, couldn't and then couldn't replace him. Yeah, because. Partially because of that Shea Weber offer sheet that I mentioned that got us started on this whole tangent. <laughs> yeah, right. That's because we can't talk about the four games in a row. I mean, what do we? What did they say? They lost twice in a row to Detroit in games that were, I mean, not really competitive. I, I mean, the second no, one was more you competitive. Kind of just than the got first. beat by Detroit. Well, I shouldn't say that. The second one they were tied. I mean, yeah. it was two-two going to the third period. And then they were beaten Pittsburgh in the third period. You're up four-two. Okay. And you're beating Washington. Want, hold on. I actually do want to break this one down a little bit. Okay. It's always fun one. to break. You can always talk about Pittsburgh No, no, no. And I'll tell you why I want to break it down. Because the fact that that game was just flat out weird. That game was weird. Okay. Because, for, first of all, nothing weird about the start per se. Because the Flyers scored first and it was Claude Giroux. 
Okay, Claude Drew scoring goals is not weird at this point, or doing something productive. Like, he's not the biggest goal scorer, but doing something productive is pretty normal, right? He, not to mention, you're still relatively, like, you're a handful of games back from the All-Star break where he was just MVP of the All-Star game. Like, it's not like the guy lacks talent, right? And then what happened? Sidney Crosby scored his 500th goal. Uh-huh. Which was the most predictable thing ever. I sat there on Sunday, the Sunday before, because Pittsburgh played. So I don't even remember who Pittsburgh played anymore, to be honest. They played somebody who wasn't very good. I want to say it was like New Jersey. And um, yeah, I, all I know is Crosby sandbagged so he could do it against the Flyers. I don't think that's the case at all, because at the end of the day, and I'll tell you why, at the end of the day, you know, I'm watching going through and. Pittsburgh didn't score until mid-second period. Mike Matheson, of all people, scores. This is against this is against Jersey. Then Brian Russ scores. Crosby had an assist. Brian Boyle scored the eventual game winner about seven minutes into the third. And it's 3-2, 3-2, 3-2. And Crosby's on the ice at the end of the game with an empty net. And Jake Gensel got the goal. And as soon as the game was over, I went, it, it all lined up. It's happening Tuesday. Yep. It was the easiest, you know, prediction that you could possibly make on the planet. He absolutely sandbagged that. He could have scored it. Come okay, now. but here is here's the weird part of that game for me. Okay, the weird part of the game for me is that after Crosby scores the goal, which everybody felt like they knew was coming, and it happened pretty much in the exact scenario I started to think of as the game was going on, which is, you know, yeah, like for goodness sake, he had a, I think he had a two on one, and he opted to drop pass it. As opposed to shooting, I'm going, since when? Against right. the Flyers. Since when? Sidney Crosby but, who? Right. So when they do finally get a power play, I'm going, okay, this is probably it. Because someone's going to find him with all this open space. The Flyers' penalty kill is awful. It's coming. And sure enough, he got that back door right along the goal line pass and, and put it right where it needed to be. So they're up 2-1 to one at the end of the first period. And then as the second period goes on... Hey, Kevin, can you spell secondary scoring? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, right? Maybe so, maybe tertiary scoring? Well, anyway, so here's so let's get back to the second period for me because less than a minute into the second period, bad turnover, and Scott Lawton scores. Now it's tied again, and you, and you actually for a second go, huh, all right. Maybe it's not the rollover and die effort I kind of figured would happen because at this point, like, you're, you're talking a game because it's in Pittsburgh. That feels like a playoff game. I mean, the crowd knows what's what's at stake. They got what they came for, and yep. now they're just buzzing. Like you, you know, can't like, lose that game, right? <laughs> well, kind of. Like it felt like that was it right there. Yep. But Lawton scores. Now it's tied, and then you get through the halfway point of the period, and Nick Sealer scores a goal. Nick freaking Sealer. First of the season. First in like three years. First it, in a Flyers uniform. That was the. That's the reverse. A lot of first for Nick Sealer. No, that's 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 the reverse flyers, by the way, because I think later in the yeah for Washington later in the week they gave up a goal to Michael Kempney who hadn't scored in sixty one games, which spanned <sighs> like the entire like literally his last goal was pre pandemic. Sheesh. Well, so was Nick Sealers though, so it's a reverse flyers. That's funny. They are always the team for that. And then they get another goal in the second period. That let's I think it was Lawton had a breakaway didn't score Van Riemsdyk threw it right back through the crease and then Justin Braun gets it to bounce in off of a defender like at that point in time you're really sitting there going geez the stars are just aligning tonight it's like it's great if they the win game, this one no it's yep. not even it's great if they win this one it's it's one of those things where you're going the stars are aligning and 
everybody who thought, me included, oh, Crosby's going to score his goal and they're going to lose this game too because Pittsburgh's way better. Right. It's Today is nothing makes sense day. Like, it, today is none of this is going to make sense. Everything in the first period made total sense, and the second period made no sense at all. Topsy-turvy. So, so, like, you're expecting it. And then they get halfway through the third period, and it's still 4-2, and you're going, geez, what kind of night? Like, it was like it all went downhill after Crosby's goal. What's going on? But I kept it, like, you know, I was watching, like, one of the playoff football playoff games I was watching earlier in the year, it was actually, um, so the Rams were playing the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady's playing, and I'm sitting there looking as the clock continues to wind down and down and down, and they're down by two scores, and I'm going, just still feels like there's too much time left in this thing. There's too much time. There's too much time. And they got a power. Pittsburgh got a power play with eight minutes left. And, and you know. Low, and, well, no, I just said this is a pretty critical moment here. And sure enough, they scored in that power play. And then I, sure enough, 18 seconds later, they scored again. Tie game. We're getting ready for overtime. Yeah, it's. <sighs> I know, by the way, in overtime, it took 31 seconds. Chris Letang, again, second time this year against the Flyers in overtime. It's deal. End of story. Three games in a row. No matter how bad a team is, there's really not a whole lot of excuse for blowing that kind of lead in the third period. No, there's not. Not look. I just chalk it up to the way that this team. I mean, this they don't have like with the injuries that they are dealing with and all that stuff. They have no bottom six. They do not have a bottom six, and and we're gonna get into that even more with the next game that came down the line because, boy, does that just say it all. You know what I mean? Like yeah, as you absolutely. get through, through it, because they're playing Washington, and Washington did score the first goal on Thursday, but I was really underwhelmed by their first period. They looked a little, you know, just not up for the game. As for a team that's going to make the playoffs, Washington's one of those teams that falls into that class, right? Like they're there, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. But they just kind of looked like they weren't all that into it in the beginning got a little bit more into it in the second period because I believe in the second period it's when there was a fight there was like there's a little bit more going on the physicality's picking up but you know and and they did respond like Jerry Mayhew scored a power play goal in the second to tie the game and I think Washington answered within four minutes so again they, they're back in control but it's two to one and they're not exactly crazy pushing to play like they scored that goal and that that gave them the lead back on the power play Okay, right. so you're dealing with a really bad special. We know the Flyer special teams is not very good. Okay, we get that. Fair enough. So, but for the rest of the period, the push was back on for the Flyers, and they do get the goal with like a minute left in the seconds. Now you're gonna play the you're gonna play a third period against the Capitals. That's win a period, win a game. Yeah. And for a large chunk of the period, it was just kind of a stalemate of sorts. <laughs> yep. And then guess who scores again? Jerry Man. Mayhew. Jerry Mayhew has been, and we've talked about we've talked about Zach McEwen like this too. But he, Jerry Mayhew is a great fourth liner. Okay, so here's the difference between Mayhew and McEwen. Okay, McEwen's a great fourth liner for the physicality of it. Yes, but M McEwen cannot finish to save his life. I agree. Mayhew is giving you a. I don't know what the best. Uh, there's not a word for it. The only thing I can do say to describe it is. He's giving me kind of Tyler Pitlick vibes. Okay. Speed and, like, good, decent enough speed, high energy, has the ability to score a couple goals here and there. You mean good enough to get traded for Tyler Toffoli, Tyler Pitlick? 
uh, good enough to be the throwing piece that makes the cap work. I know. know what I'm thinking. You know, the, the contract. Dump. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a guess that the first round pick had a lot more to do with that. Yeah, probably. Just just saying. Um, but that's like that's the vibe I'm getting from him. Like like in the sense that I don't think anybody was enthused when Tyler Pitlick got traded to the Flyers. Like the idea like, oh, that here's a guy who's going to be a really good fourth. Like, I don't think anybody thought that. But you came to like him because of what he brought. Oh, yeah. Right? I like, love me some Tyler Pitlick. Right. So I think this is a guy that people would be able to get behind as a fourth line type guy because of the fact that he's not, I don't want to say incompetent when it comes to scoring, but like y- you need to know that you can rely. Like that's what people liked about Scott Lawton fourth liner, right? Like, yes, it wasn't the fact that Scott Lawton couldn't play higher than the fourth line. It was if you can put a guy like that on your fourth line, you're, that means you're not, you're not unable to score with that line out there it's, it's not like you're basically just trying to avoid getting scored on yeah i was just, i was gonna make the scott lawton comparison for sure because it, you just see the resemblance in the game a little bit and, and listen the guy ridiculously tough because he didn't play in tuesday's game because he went into the boards really hard in Whew, broke in, De- his in detroit I'm luckily he didn't actually legitimately break his no, face. No, but like, it sure he, looked he didn't, like it. Look, I, that was actually asked as a question. He did not like break it. No broken nose or orbital bone or anything like that. That's good he to needed, hear. Um, no, but you learn something new every day, apparently, because a lot of people were saying this. Uh, he got 12 stitches, six outside of the eye and six inside. So apparently it's inside your eyes. Ah, ow. That doesn't sound particularly fun. It doesn't. Ah, I know, and I, I, I feel like I, I mean, knew that. Just, I mean, you saw the picture, right? Like you do see what we saw. What he looked like. I saw the black and blue picture. That's what I yeah. mean. That's what I mean. You saw like he comes back to practice and he's just got like this giant discoloration over his left eye. I believe is what it was. And I'm sure the boys loved it. <laughs> I mean, the only reason he didn't play on he was going to play on Tuesday. The only reason he didn't play is because literally his eye was still swelling so much that he couldn't see. Oh. All right, I'm sure the boys gave him a big old hooting and holler when he when he walked in with a big old shiner like that. All right, um, <laughs> so, so I mean, we're still on the Crosby thing. We can go back to the four game streak. Here's the sad part with this streak. I don't know everything? when it ends. No, I don't know when it ends. Yeah, everything. This is bad. We're playing. No, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to say. You know, look, I used to do one of the tabs I used to create for this. One of the banners that I would create for the show every week was looking ahead, moving forward. What were the game for the week? Right? Like we would do this every week. Right. I'm doing it really quick here because it's Carolina, St. Louis, and Washington again. Where's Are, the win? None. Um, I think you're partially right. You can snag a point against St. Louis. I don't think so, actually, with that one. That's not the one I think so. Because, uh, first of all, I think Caroline is too good. They're just going to go right through this team. Uh, the, well, uh, the only thing that might be a benefit, and I have to check on this really quick uh, before I say it. Yeah, okay, they do. So Caroline is playing Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon first. Now, I'm just pointing it out that for them it's a back-to-back. For the Flyers, it's not. It's a hot knife through butter. Just, I'm just pointing it out. Just, it means you could catch a really good team on a rough day. Yeah, that's like, all that's, that means. That's Louis, fair, and you could St. get Louis that. St. Louis, I've lost all confidence in. Like, I mean, the Flyers winning because St. Louis dismantled Toronto yeah. on Saturday night. I don't they think sure I did. feel. Uh, I, I don't think I feel good about you know former Flyers head coach Craig Ruby with a you know fresh off the press new contract. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot in, he got that to extension. Stay in St. Louis for three more years. You know, good for good. No, seriously, good for him, though. Yeah, absolutely. Good, he's got he's fit in well there and he's it's a good fit and everybody seems to like him. And 
You keep My Stanley- God, that is a Craig Berube team, too. And listen, you uh, you keep Stanley Cup champion people around, don't you? You know, like, yep. you know, when especially when they've won it with, you know, you. OK, and then here's my thing about Washington. I would say Washington provides them a chance because we've already seen how Washington kind of played down to them a little bit for a chunk of that game. But at the same time, I feel like they're going to take something from that game and go, yeah, we can't play like that next time and be better. Yeah, they're going to come in with a little bit of chip on their shoulder because the most recent game is so recent. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Look, I, I also don't know who else. Like, the schedule is just starting to work its way back to normal in the sense that, like, that two week gap where everything was wide open and they used it to fill in the, the gaps here, it's just starting to kind of come out of that. Right. So, Washington's right now, I didn't realize this. It kind of, kind of, it kind of is most recent for them because. They played the Flyers and, and came back and won the game on uh, on Thursday. And they are in the middle of a six-day break from game action before they play the Rangers on Thursday. And then Ooh. they play the Flyers on Saturday. Okay, so they have a long time to look at that game footage. Yeah, I mean, well, game footage, they'll be rested. The Flyers will have played. I mean, the Flyers will be two because the Flyers will have only played Monday, Tuesday, and then same thing. So there's kind of gaps there for both. But... Because, I mean, I mean, take it for what it is, but, like, that's an interesting – like, if the Flyers were somehow in contention instead, like, we'd be looking at this going, that's a really interesting schedule breakdown for a team in contention, right? You, this would be a good test week. Like, well, well, it where where be, do you stack up? It would, but what I'm trying to get at is that, like, how often, especially with the way the last two years have gone, do you get – you played a couple of games, three days off, back-to-back, three more days off, weekend and- game at – 1230 in the afternoon on a and, Saturday. Oh, by the way, you're in the middle of an eight-game homestand. That, too. Well, and look, that was partially manufactured by the fact that they bumped the sure. Carolina game back. Uh, the, the St. Louis game was always supposed to be – was, wasn't supposed to be that early, but it was always supposed to be around this time. It's only up a Yeah, week. it was a couple weeks later. It, it was only up a week that they okay. moved it. Um, but then I start to get really into – like, as I look at the rest of the schedule and I go – you know, after they play Washington, you know, I I would have thought maybe a couple weeks ago that Edmonton would be a team that they might have a shot against because Edmonton, you know, since that, remember when they met in the first week of the season or first second or second week of the season, and it was you know Edmonton hadn't lost a game yet and the Flyers were like two one and one and they get that big win. Yep. And everybody was kind of talking about it then, like, hey, look at you know the way that the Flyers just played this team. Edmonton was really good to start, and both are in totally the opposite situation right now. And Ryan Ellis was coming back, too. Well, yeah, but... Um, <gasps> oh, man. I know, right? Um, Edmonton's kind of turned a corner since they they made a coaching change, just a little bit. And, 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 uh, and you Picking know up a Vander Kane doesn't hurt. Well, yeah, and look, in theory, they're not out of it. Nobody, no. in, the, nobody in the West should be out of it. That's like, like with the exception of the very obvious choices. Ooh, Arizona, hello. Right, but everybody else should be. I mean, remember where Vancouver was when they had to make a coaching change? They're in it. They're yep. technically in it. I mean, they don't look. There's nights where they don't look great. Who would they play last night? Yeah, they got I don't think they're trading their. I don't think they're trading their first round pick anytime soon. No, I didn't say oh, they played the Ducks last night. Right. So the Ducks aren't bad either. I'm, I'm not trying to make it seem like that, but you know. No, the Ducks are a fun team to watch. No, Ducks I know, okay, so, but like this is what I'm saying. Vancouver is seven points out of a playoff spot. Edmonton's technically in the playoff picture. Like they've turned it around enough that they're back in the playoff picture because they are tied with LA for the last spot. Like in terms of the playoffs, they're at 59 points. LA's got 59, and fewer, more games played, fewer wins than Edmonton does. 
So Edmonton gets the priority spot of third in the Pacific. I feel, I, I know I mentioned the Ducks there, and I mentioned that they're a fun team to watch. I feel glad for John Gibson, because I feel like he, he's been there through the bad years in There's Anaheim. You guys, you could say that about, to be honest. I mean, Cam Fowler's kind of been riding it out through the bad years, and Ricard Raquel riding it out through the bad years. Josh Manson's still there? Uh, Yeah. Okay, he's been there for a while too. At this yeah, point, yeah, because the guy you're thinking of, because it was Manson and Montour was the other one who was like always Brandon talked Montour, about. Yeah, I mean Manson. Look, Manson. Oh yeah, they've all been traded a million times on the haven't internet. they? Exactly. Um, there's a lot of. I mean, it's starting to be like it's starting to become clear. I mean, I guess like when you really look at teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, San Jose has kind of dropped out of the running. They're more than ten. I mean, they got a couple of games in hand, so I don't want to completely write them off, but they're ten points out of a playoff they've spot. fallen off the absurd they were on a little bit of a, a run for a while right chicago's out we said arizona seattle is out like we know these teams are out vancouver's kind of hanging on winnipeg's kind of hanging on dallas anaheim la edmonton you know like we're getting clarity in the playoff picture here and i don't you know look who knows who's going to actually emerge yeah. it's, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy speculation going on out there. There sure is, and there's a uh, there's a lot of crazy trade speculation too. Yeah, I guess we need to get into this now, don't we? Well, uh, if we're talking about the Western Conference playoff race, I think it's only fair to mention. It's fair to mention, but I'm going to pump the brakes for everybody. Okay, there are some teams that are out west that may be in on the Claude Giroux sweepstakes. I don't know what you want to call it, right. the the bidding war, because I imagine. I imagine Chuck Fletcher won't be short on offers. Let's put it that way. No, I don't believe that to be the case. Right. I imagine there will, he will be receiving quite a lot of phone calls if and when Claude, Claude Giroux is uh, made known to be available. I don't think it's a question of when, if when he's made known to be available. I think people know by now he's going to be. It's just... It, if, you know, I, I, I think I said this earlier at some point in time because everything took off with this report that he's given a list of three teams, Colorado's his choice, all that stuff. You know, and I, I wrote some notes down on that a little while back, and like almost all of it feels like it's irrelevant at this point because it's so early in the process that I don't even want to make it sound like any of it, you know, I don't say it makes sense. It's just because. The destinations absolutely a thousand percent make sense. If yeah, Colorado, if it's Minnesota, if it's St. Louis, if that's what we're talking, they all make sense. They're all going to be in the playoffs. They're all going to be teams that have a chance to do something. Minnesota is kind of a dark horse in the way, like out of that division in the playoffs, because they're not they're not the first team that people think of when it comes to playoff success. But they've right. got a good young team. They've had moments. They're keeping pace with a lot of these teams, like. You just never know what could happen in the playoffs. That's sure. the bottom line. Colorado, like Colorado's giving you feels like their year kind of vibes. Oh you're, yeah, and you're looking for the the you know you, you know what Colorado is right now. Colorado is Tampa Bay two years ago when everybody kept saying, "Is it their time? Is it their time?" When Nazem Kadri's on like a 110 point pace or whatever he's oh, doing sure. on the last year of his contract, you press your foot to the floor. And no, you go know what you re- you if know you're what you Joe really, Sackick. Yeah, you know what you really do. When Nathan McKinnon has all of 10 goals in, on the year because he's missed so much time and you're still the number one team in the league by points and you know you're going to have him back at playoff time consistently, like he's back now, but like you're looking at like 
listen, you're going to be careful with a player like that if he's had like injury issues already this year. Are you saying they're going to Mark Stone him? No, I'm not saying they're going to Mark Stone him. I'm saying you don't hesitate to hold him out for a game and put some minor league kid in for one night in April when you've oh, got absolutely. the top spot locked up because you need that guy for the Stanley Cup like playoffs, finals run, whatever you want to go for. Yeah, they're going to be so heavily locked into a playoff spot by the time they get there. They're already – they are – I'm looking at it 12 points up over St. Louis in the division with 30 games to go. With the same number. I mean, they're going to they're going to have time See, and that, to do okay. as much maintenance as they want. So here's the funny thing cuz you're bringing that up. This is what I mean with Minnesota too cuz Minnesota's technically third. I think people look at that and go, "Oh, not that great of a team then. They're in third place in their division." Yeah, they have a game in hand or three games in hand and they've been coming. Well, and here's the thing. I look at their points percentage. They're the second best team in points percentage in the West. Right. That's why you start to take them much more seriously, you know, in that sense. Chuck Fletcher dealing Claude Giroux to Minnesota would just be hilarious. And I mean, to go well, help them win. I don't like, and I don't know. I mean, you know, like we've I mean, all heard the Pittsburgh rumors, right? Right. God. Yeah, we have to talk about this. So, well, I just have a bunch of stuff. So as we kind of just go through, like I've created like four banners for this topic because I knew it was going to be big. So fair as enough. We just as we just go willy nilly throughout wherever we're going. So, you know. yeah, we we've talked about it before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again ad nauseum. And if if you want to skip this section, I certainly understand because we're going to talk about this a lot. I don't. <laughs> I, no, I think this is everything that's worth talking about right now. Yeah. I think the section people don't need to like if they wanted to skip it was. Who cares about a four-game losing streak? There's going to be more Sorry. of this to come. I mean, th- this was exactly what, like, it was really funny because we can all see it when we look at the schedule and go, look at the list, look, look at the gauntlet that they're going to have to play. Just just every great team out there quite possibly. Like, that's why I'm sitting here saying I go beyond next week, if you will, with Carolina, St. Louis, and Washington back on the schedule. All three of them are legit playoff teams, no question. And then you go... After that, Edmonton, who's on the rise, back in the playoff picture, uh, Minnesota, and then finally you get Chicago. Like, and Chicago might be your chance to break through and and that streak. But do you want to know what game that is? If they weren't to like go into it, you know, is it number? It is? is it number ten? Yes. <laughs> They're gonna lose it. Well, Can- here's here's the thing: if they do or if they don't, like beside the point. But like, if that's what's at stake, realize that right after that game. Vegas, Florida, Carolina. Sheesh. To the point where then they're playing Montreal finally, and you sit there and go, "Well, that probably should be, you know, if they if they haven't made a ton of trades already by then, then Nashville, Ottawa, and the Islanders, and guess what shows up? Trade deadline. Oh no, it's gonna be a long, hard month, folks. By the by the way, since we're talking about all of these teams and specifically those three in the Western Conference, um. In the literally the first week after the trade deadline, the Flyers play St. Louis, Colorado, and Minnesota, all like on a big five game road trip. Yeah, and that's when I plan on going to St. Louis. And if I go to St. Louis, can you imagine if you go to St. Louis and have to see Claude Giroux playing for the St. Louis Blues? Will that be like a couple days after the trade deadline? Would that be that his, was, Would that be his first game? Um, I don't know. Depends. It might, oh, first game with another team. If he goes to St. Louis, I mean. Right. Would that be his first game with the Blues? Oh, that's tough. Hold on. I don't know. 
Because it depend it, like it, to me, it's going to depend on when the trade. No, it, like, it would depend <sighs> on when. The, okay, because hear me out. So the Flyers play in Ottawa on um, on f- the Friday before the trade deadline. He almost definitely plays in that game as an it, Ottawa boy. I would well, I would think so if he gets to the thousandth game on you know the Thursday the night before against right. Nashville. Um, St. Louis plays Columbus on Saturday the nineteenth. Now you would figure, that, you would think, yeah, or you would think that if a trade was going to go down specifically with a team like St. Louis, it would go down too late for that game, right? One way or another. Do they have another I'd, game? They do. So here's the catch: if okay. he gets if he gets traded on say Sunday as opposed to Monday, if it's not a deadline day deal, I would like I think there would be a chance that. Going from playing, even even by playing in Ottawa, they have a game on Sunday afternoon against the Islanders at home. The Flyers do. Right. That if St. Louis wanted to add him and get him to Washington for a Tuesday game, I think it's doable. They could do that. Yeah, pretty easy. Like, like I said, unless it comes down to the absolute wire and they can't get him to Washington for Tuesday morning or whatever. No, or that he gets there like later, like in terms of, Hey, by the time you pack and get ready to get out of here. Cause I don't think he's going to sit there thinking like, if I was Claude Giroux, I'd have a bag packed now. I'm not saying he won't be packed up to go. It's more <laughs> of a, no, it, but it's more of a, I don't know if he's going to know where until the last minute. That's what I'm more That's worried fair. about. Like is I, like, I think he's, I think he knows be prepared for it, but I think he wouldn't be, prepared for the destination completely per se Man, especially I, if you're talking about another team like what if it's what if it is colorado if i got the chance and i, I don't necessarily know if it's going to work out but if i got the chance to go to claude Giroux's first game as a st louis blue and it also happened to be the flyers versus the blues a game i plan on going to anyway man that would be fun <laughs> But that is the, the and I know by the way. Well, here's the thing: if it turns out to be St. Louis, whether he plays against you know plays in Washington or not, it would be his first home game. Yeah, can you that, that can, but that that's the thing: first home game. Can you imagine all these people, probably Flyers fans in the Midwest, who also do that, who are going to go anyway? That environment gonna is going to be crazy. You know, he's scoring a goal. <laughs> yeah. Like if that's the case, I'm not like now we're just having fun with it. This is I, no intel here. I, I have mixed emotions just even thinking about this scenario. Like I'm, I'm obviously right. cheering him, and like I'm okay with the Flyers losing because we're full blown in like tank mode. It it would be a very strange environment. There would not be a whole lot of hostility between Flyers and Blues fans on that night. I don't think. Right. Um. So I want to talk about something else with this because yeah. Well, in sticking in the same thing with the destination here, because I think like everybody's really hyper focused on those three teams, all in the central, no and less. Colorado's the big one for sure. Well, Colorado's a big one, but don't rule out the East either. Like Florida's going to be in the running, probably. That's fair. Don't, don't rule out a team like Tampa, who's been able to make a bunch of crazy stuff work in the last two years. So don't rule them out of anything. Elliot Friedman has talked a little bit about um, Florida being very in on Jacob Chikrin. Interesting. See, I didn't see that one yet. Yeah, he said uh, they're willing to do whatever it takes. 
Well, I because I according think to Elliot like, Freeman. Well, because I don't think that they lack offensive talent. I think that they lack maybe the back end a little bit. Sure, but I wonder if they have the trade capital available to make a Huberto or make a um sorry make a Chikrin move and also make a Giroux type acquisition. That's all I'm saying. No, I don't no, I don't know how much no, they're trying team, to spend right now. No, because like like for example, Calgary could have certainly been in the Giroux running, and then they trade for Tyler Defoley and they're out. Like, uh, right, that's what like, I'm you saying. Know that like every team's got one shot here, and it's going to come down to like like at the end of the day, I'm. Look, this is a totally different name. We're really on the Claude Giroux thing here, obviously. But Justin Braun's name is going to be out there too. And sure, Justin and he'll go for a fifth round pick. Uh, might be more than that. You, you might think be so? Surprised. Well, no, I, I'm just going off what I hear. Sure. I'm not saying, to me, I would have thought third or fourth. Okay. Maybe if you're lucky. I'm hearing even possibly even better than that because teams wow. in the play. Well, because teams in the playoffs want veteran veteran lines. depth. Yep. And guys who they know they can play in the top six Justin, and not worry about. Justin Braun is the perfect guy to score a grimy goal in the third period of a game six. Now, I want I do want to throw in a catch here, though, because a team that was talked a lot in regards to Braun was Toronto. And Toronto just made a trade on Saturday night for a the, defenseman. Who'd they trade? They Well, they had Nick Ritchie was on waivers and they didn't. He didn't want to play in the minors, basically, right. after he got through waivers. So they traded him in a conditional pick and brought back uh, – oh, God, I'm going to butcher his name. They traded with Arizona. That should be all you need to know. Was it um, – it wasn't Martin Marinson, was no, it? No, no, like Lyubushkin. Oh, Labushkin. Okay. Labushkin. Thank, yeah, I, I butcher his name all the time. I'm sorry. Um, and they also got uh, – who else did they get? Um, Dezingle. Ryan Dezingle. Oh, sure. Ryan Dezingle's a player. That's fair. He's a guy. So that they made a deal, but now I wonder if they would be out of the running for a guy like that. Like it was, it was pretty clear when they made that for for Labushkin. Like when they made that deal, they're doing it to try to not have to play so many young guys on the back end. Right. Like, well, and it's also that's, that's your deal. That's your deal that takes the pressure off of Lilligren and um, and Hall, right? Uh, By like an absolute mile, you know, like. So is there any way that Vegas pulls more shenaniganery and, and they get in the mix here? I don't know, but I've seen about, like, let's this way. There are places out there that we both have talked about in the past. N- not teams, I'm talking about, like, outlets. Sure. That are league-wide, you know, whether it's, you know, like, let's this way. You'll send me clips of Steve Dangle all the time. Yeah. I, I, one of the ones that I see clips of enough that I'll watch that, watch videos is the, the Bar Down guys. Because I think that they, they're, the bar down guys are great. Yeah, they're hysterical. It's really funny stuff. If they hear this, open invite to any of you to be on the show <laughs> anytime. We'll we'll do a show whenever. I'll call out of work. <laughs> Either way, um, both of those outlets have talked more about the Flyers in the last week, maybe than they ever have this season because of Claude Drew's name being out there. Right, there's like, something to talk about. That's the big thing. That, look, there have been some pretty crazy scenarios that have been thrown out by those guys just in terms of... But, I saw that video but, also. But did you... It, it, I think this was a bar down one. Did you see the bar down one though, where someone tried and said, if he goes to Vegas, I swear to God. Like, that kind of thing. I believe, thing. It, was, like, like, believe it, it was Jesse. Yes, it was. <laughs> like, uh. it, <laughs> But it, it's the truth. If Vegas somehow pulls another deal that, like, that makes them even better. I mean, they just... like. They, if they, they just, pull it, if they make another trade, they better reveal that Penn and Teller have some ownership. Because <laughs> my goodness, they are pulling magic tricks. I like that. Yeah, I mean, well, what well, is the magic trick magically putting 
Mark Stone on LTIR just uh-huh. Jack Eichel to come back into your lineup? Because first, all first. of a sudden, Mark Stone, even though he's played through it all year, all of a sudden his back has reached the point where he can no longer play through it, and he has to be out, and he will definitely be out f- for a while. Speaking of oh, speaking of backs, and I didn't even create a thing for it because it probably slipped my mind. Should we mention how Sean Couturier is done for the year? <sighs> no, because I'll be depressed about it. There's our mention. Sean Couturier is done for the year. No, but it's but it's right. Like it's just it's right. Don't don't throw I know. anything here. Like, I know. To be honest, I like. Look, I don't I don't like to be hyper. Like I don't like to be uber critical of this team in that sense. Like I don't like to go just. And look, I've I've I kind of don't mince words when it comes to my evaluation of the team at certain points. I think this team would be crazy, absolutely out of their minds, insane to let Ryan Ellis or Kevin Hayes play another game this year. I agree. And I think Kevin Hayes is more likely to force himself back. But I don't think he should. Right. Like he's they're practicing as we record this. They're just getting started with a practice. And Hayes is skating, but it looks like like non-contact style or whatever. And that's look, that stuff's all well and good. You want to get him out there. You want to let him be involved. Sure. You want to let him kind of rehab. Do not force him back into a game. No. You're not going anywhere. We all know it. Do not force him back into a game. You still have him under contract for, what is it, two more years after this? Three? Hayes? Is it four? Yeah. Okay, it's four years. You you can't. This is only year three of Hayes. Right. You can't. You can't. You can't. (laughs) Like, you you just can't. You have to let that man get healthy to hopefully salvage the back half of this contract because you've already wasted the first half, which Not is the only. half that we were all excited for, by the way. <laughs> like, you don't sign a contract going, man, can't wait for the back half of this when the guy's already 30. Yeah. But well, that that's the bottom line. Like, those guys should not play again. You're not going to be able to do that with Joel Farabee. Like, for example, Joel Farabee is going to probably come back in return. There's too much because the problem is, and, and this is the problem even with a guy like Hayes, there's 33 games left. Yep. I know that that's an awful reminder to all of there's you. There's so many I games. I know there's so many left. So many games. But, like, you're talking, you know, with that many games left, how do you keep certain guys out of the lineup? Like, how do you keep a Joel Farabee out of the lineup for the rest of the year? You don't. Like, Hayes is different. Hayes no, is like, I agree. Hayes, with Hayes, you're to- like with same thing with Ellis. You're toying with the idea of it's either, like almost that it's either get a procedure done or try to play through it. Like see if you can't return and be able to play. Right. Like get the procedures done. You're not going anywhere. Do not try to play through a, a bad injury. Right. There's nothing that indicates that Farabee needs a procedure. It's just you, you're taking your time. You let him rest up, and then you treat it like an extended preseason for the rest of the year for him. Like absolutely, he, like if he gets twenty games out of the thirty-three, good for him. I but agree. Don't, but don't rush him either. Yep, you let him play when he's feeling good, and when he's not feeling good, you sit him down and you you protect your asset and you let him play when he can play, let him develop, let him keep learning the NHL game because he is still young. But when he's feeling even a tiny bit off, you put him on the bench and you don't move him. Right. So how many more angles of this do we want to take at this point with this? Right now, right now, Sunday, February 20th, one word, one city, who trades for Claude Drew? Oh, jeez. If, if, I, 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 if you had to lay a dollar down on it. 
<laughs> I mean, if, if I had to bet, I would bet Colorado, not because it's the name that's out there, but because I felt like they were going to be in it all along. Okay. Maybe that's – and that's the reason. That's the only reason. I, I wanted to go more to this type of stuff, like – because Drew spoke this week, he, he said that, that the conversation hasn't happened yet. First of all, people who freaked out about that, uh, the guy has an agent who does this for a living, who right. communicates with people. He like, said, I haven't talked to Chuck yet, which is code for my agent has talked to Chuck. <laughs> I tried to explain this on the, when I went on the radio this week, too, because I turned around and I even said this at one point in time. Do you really think that anybody, Claude Drew has been in the league for how many years? 15, like 14, 15 years. Pretty close, right? yeah. Okay. His agent is one of the best-known agents in the game, Pat Brisson. Pat Brisson, right? Who does not only represent Claude Giroux, but represents, oh, you know, just some guy we already talked about in the show who just hit a major career milestone. Yeah, he represents that guy, too. And you know who else he represents? Two guys who won three Stanley Cups in six years with, you know, with, an, with a team that beat you for one of them. Yep. He represents those guys, too. So, like, he represents a lot of important high-end and high-end players in the game, right? I think that he un- obviously he understands the business. I think that by this point, Claude Giroux understands the business. And I know that Chuck Fletcher understands the business and everybody else who kind of has to operate around Chuck Fletcher. You have to understand that you can't just go out there and let player included can't just go out there and go, yeah, we've talked and I want out. Right. Gee, you know what? That really gives everybody a lot of leverage. He's not going to say that. He's going to focus on playing his best. He's going to focus on doing what's best for the team that he's playing for right now, which is the better he performs, the more it maximizes the value. The more that it maximizes the value, the faster they get out of their situation, and he gets to move on to a situation where he doesn't have to think about winning in four or five years. He thinks about winning tomorrow. Yep, and he never... Yeah, and he never has to sit there and say he's never going to come out and confirm the rumors. He was never going to come out and say, uh, "Yes, I would like to be traded and only to Colorado." Thank you. Like that was never going to happen because right. Then, I don't think the, I, yeah. he's not going to do the Flyers dirty like that because then all of a sudden Chuck Fletcher comes to the table, calls Joe Sackick, and goes, "So uh, I'd like to talk to you about Claude Giroux." And Joe Sackick goes, uh, fourth round pick or get out." <laughs> right, it t- it takes all the leverage away, and you get nothing. And then you're gonna, and then everybody's gonna be pissed off that they didn't get enough for him. When yep, like it was because, and and all because you were upset that he didn't say, "I've talked to Chuck Fletcher yet." Like, just bear in mind, like it will happen. Like, I, like I, we don't need to go through this twenty thousand times over. Trust it, the professionals. Well, it like it's the same thing. Listen, uh, it's the same thing when it comes to this question, right? Because this is the stuff that I watch on Twitter regularly. Like, this is becoming a daily exercise, the same way that trying to rebuild the team is a daily exercise. (laughs) That, like, again, you're all playing franchise mode out there. And I'm not trying to tell you to not discuss stuff. But, man, alive, you guys, like, are losing sleep over this stuff. Like, people are out there losing, like, literally it feels like losing sleep over this stuff. And it's like, uh, I just encourage people, go do something else with your time. Anything else, like... The Flyers get three days off from games, and you know they practiced on Friday. I I hop on the Zoom calls. I do the like listening to that stuff. Uh, I will be probably getting right off of this, and before I put the whole thing together to publish the podcast later, I will hop on their calls from their 11 a.m. practice on Sunday morning, uh, really quick to get the updates on what's going on for su- for Monday and probably Tuesday, um, before moving forward. Right. Um. Either way, like. I can't. I I take the rest of that Friday. 
the complete off day on Saturday, the rest of my day on Sunday with no game on to do anything else, enjoy anything else. Think about anything other than this awful, awful, very, very bad, no good team. Well, it, not not even just to say not to think about it. It's just, you know, I, I'll entertain myself in a different way. You know, find something better to do with my time. Have other things to do in life in general. Like, take it for what it's worth. You know what I mean? Like, Fair enough. You don't need to... And I get, look, I get it because two years ago when we were sitting here at the start of all this stuff and you weren't going out to places all that frequently and all stuff like that, when they came back and they're in the playoffs, it's therapeutic. There's something to do, right? Like, especially in the early stages of everything. It was late July, August. Like, you're talking people needed something to do after four or five months of this, and it was nice to have something to do, right? Bubble bubble hockey was a big deal, for sure. And listen, was it... Always the greatest, like, people look back on it kind of negatively now because they go, well, gee, it feels like that ruined them, you know. Oh, like, and, come on. You know, or whatever. Or or play, or, or you'll hear players talk about it where it wasn't a great experience. And that part I kind of get. Like, uh, yeah, fair enough. Players have valid <laughs> complaints. But, like, how can fans complain about the first day of bubble hockey we get a five-overtime game forcing the other two games to get pushed back? First day. Come on. I just don't, I don't, I don't know how you can complain about basically the NHL pulling a page out of the NFL for like a couple weeks where it was, we're going to start games. They're tiered 12, 5, 7.30. That's what I'm saying. It felt like March madness. You were, yes. you could, you could watch hockey from 10 AM to midnight. If a game I mean, you went still to can overtime. In Fair enough. You just have to know where to find it. That's all. I mean, you know, either way we're, we're getting a little off topic here, but I see this hap I see this question and this conversation all the time. And to be honest, you're going to spend the next month driving yourselves insane if you try to keep piecing it together. Like, you know. Yeah, he'll he'll move when he moves, and it's very likely that he won't no, move. No, but, like, listen, okay, and, and I here's where I'll go with this, because I, I guess we should start by, or not start by, but, like, to cite the report that got all this really started, because Adrian right. Dater was the guy who put the report out there. This is Colorado Hockey Now, who puts out the report that Drew gave a short list and said Colorado is my number one choice, Minnesota and St. Louis number two. Now, that has in days since been claimed to be completely false. Sure, it has been refuted. Like, (laughs) refuted in the sense that, like, and this is where I say refuted to a degree. Like, refuted to the sense that Drew has not talked to Chuck Fletcher. There is no short list. There is supposedly permission for Brisson to go out and start talking to other teams to kind of gauge interest. Right. There is no short list yet. There is no conversation yet. There is no trade imminent yet, but I did find every team that was mentioned to be believable. Look, the yeah. Flyers are scouting Colorado's minor league and pro team. Like, and They're Colorado talking. and Colorado is doing the same in return. I don't know if you caught that. Tony Androkidis, who does uh, all the stuff, phenomenal for the Phantoms. Phantoms coverage. He put out there that Colorado was in town for the Phantoms game on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not particularly surprised. So those two, like those, that team is heavily involved in trying to scout the Flyers. It certainly seems like if they haven't had conversations, they're at least, you know. And I believe, by the way. the boy and girl in middle school looking at each other from across the dance floor. Kind of. I believe St. Louis was also at, had a scout at um, Thursday's game against Washington as well. So just throwing that out there as well. Okay. Um, Either way. um, Like, you're at a point, though, where. Like, there's going to be things pop up. I thought all of those teams were realistic possibilities. 
For that sure. I can level with. But so I, I'm going to shout out another podcast really quick because Dater went on to the High and Wide podcast, which I've also made an appearance on in recent weeks. Yep. Um, and said a bunch of stuff that I just don't agree with. Basically made it sound like Claude Drew's not worth a whole hell of a lot. Oh. Like he said, doesn't think Colorado would part ways with a prospect like Alex Newhook or a first round pick. Now, you, here's the thing. It, it, like, I kind of understand that direction to an extent. I don't, like, like, I don't think you're getting Newhook. I'd love him. I don't think you're getting Newhook. No, well, okay. Here's, the, here's also part of the problem with that discussion. You're definitely not getting new hook today. Right. You might in a month. And even Fair then, enough. look, I, I agree it's unlikely. I don't think they're going to part ways with him either, if, if I'm reading it right as well. But I, I, I'm sitting here saying, like, the idea that they won't part ways with, don't ask about new hook, don't ask about Bowen Byram, don't ask, don't even ask about Justin Barron, who was, like, 20th overall, like, or something like that, like, last year. All right. Yeah, I know they're really, really high on him. That I just like that stuff. I disagree with. Like that to me is that's exactly your pressure play down the line. Like, do you want to get it done by the deadline? That's the type of player you need to get or need to give up, like prospect wise. Right. Especially if there's other teams in it. If if Minnesota's raising the right. stakes. If well, and that's and that's the thing. Like I sit there and I go, if if you don't think that Colorado's going to part with an with Alex Newhook or somebody close to that level or the first round pick, then I'm walking away from the table. I agree. I think you're going to get the first round pick um, just because that's the cost of playing ball for essentially the best for forward free agent on the market. Um, well, and let's play, let's play this game for a second. Like, OK, I agree. Newhook's probably not getting traded to them, right. right? OK, so I'm fine not getting Alex Newhook and getting, let's say, instead getting Tyson Jost. But I, the first, I, with the first round pick, I agree. Like, I think you can also get a prospect in there, too. Yeah, but I think that this is the challenge that they have. It's just I not going to be a high, high end. No, I, I, no, I said this earlier in like in the week when I went on the air. I think that now the focus is like for the, most of the time we've talked about it, we've looked at draft picks as the main form of capital, right? Like we sat there and said when they trade Claude Giroux because it's it's becoming more and more of a when, right? As it became more and more of a when, it's well, listen, he's worth a first round pick. Yep. Okay, so that's where we set all of our attention and all of our focus. I wonder if their focus. It sounds a little bit like this anyway. Their focus is shifting towards, hey, listen, another way to fast track a retool, rebuild, to aggressively to tra retool. Is trade, to trade for players for a prospect, who are close. Right. It's a trade for a prospect who's far along the development path and probably just blocked out of being a regular part of the lineup. Yep. Like, no. in like take Minnesota, for example. If you trade for a guy, and again, I don't know if they're going to part ways with him. It's a tough piece to part ways with, but we'll, like, you, you, get, you have to get the sense of how desperate teams are. If Marco Rossi's in the deal. Ooh. But I'm just saying, if Marco Rossi's in the deal, Marco Rossi's played two games at the NHL level this year. That's right. it. But what's the reason? It's not his fault. No. He had a long bout with, like, he basically had long COVID. He had long COVID. He had bad. That, but that didn't take away this year. That took away last year. Right. For this year, he's gaining his strength back. He's played a couple games at the NHL level. He's played well consistently at the AHL level. And... What also happens when a team is pretty darn good, like the Minnesota Wild are? You don't make a lot of changes. You like the way your lineup is, so you're he's not going to get a out. shot to crack the lineup, right? So you're blocked out. So you he like he goes to Philadelphia. He's immediately a third line center. He's oh yeah, immediately a third line center on this team. Absolutely, and I'm thrilled about it. To be honest with you, I mean, well, and listen, he's immediately a third line center given their injuries right now. Too, I don't want to make it sound like he's like right. better than Kevin Hayes, like That's as a veteran immediately. But 
Well, there's a name. I'm, the there's a name I'm going to mention in terms of guys who are a little bit further along the path, and I'm okay. actually going to I'm actually going to use it as a as a transition here. Okay. Because the name I want to mention is a guy from Colorado. I I really like Drew Hellison. Okay, I mean, who, who just played for the American Olympic team. <sighs> And that's the transition I'm going to go with. I get where you're going with the transition. Get off the roof we'll get, for now. <laughs> here's going to be, uh, and this will be the last thing I say about it for now. Yeah. If Hellison's the centerpiece of the deal, I don't love that deal. Like Even better, if you get a first a first Hellison and no, now say the, either Comfort or Jost. I don't think it's going to be that much, to be honest. But but if you get like okay, like I would take out the play, I take out the active players you mentioned is what I would say about that. But okay, but if fair you, enough. But if it's Hellison in a first, I feel a lot better about it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, absolutely. And better yet, like I like I've said kind of all along, make it a 2023 first, and I'm really thrilled. Yeah, like, sure. Like, give me another pick in next year's draft. Give me an, a prospect who's close and. Yeah, that that I can level with. Like, yeah, and I believe Drew Hellison is still in college, people, but he's what, you know he'll come out of college and be right. What people are really out. afraid of, what I can gather that people are really afraid of when it comes to this deal is that you're going to get like, let's say you make a trade with Colorado and you get Drew Hellison, that you're going to get Drew Hellison, some other no name prospect who was taken in the fifth round th- two years ago, and their third round pick next year. Yeah, that's a that's a disappointing. And return. then you're like underwhelmed because the pick's not great. The prospect in the middle is not great, and the centerpiece is a guy who is probably like fifth or sixth down the line in their top prospect pool. Yeah, you need uh, for Claude Drew, you need at least one premium piece, and by that but you mean either a first round pick or a top tier prospect. But here's the catch, and this is why these other names are going to keep coming into play, is because of the fact that okay, you could try to make the biggest piece of the deal be the first round pick if you get a first round pick, right? Sure. Like. Like we said, I think it's actually a pretty fair return if you get the first with Hellison and maybe throw in peace here. Right. Okay, I can live with that. The issue is, is that what you start to do with these with with the pick is, especially if it's next year, so you got to go an entire year without knowing what you're going to get, and then the development process starts with said player. So that doesn't fit aggressive retool. Right. But see here's but see here's my argument to that. That's the way I would build it. Oh, I agree. That the, because the correct answer is to trade them for their 2022 and 2023 first round picks. To, to me, you need to corner the market with ev- literally, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Every player you think you can trade, I don't, sell them. Goodbye. Well, you're not going to be able to sell all of them because it keeps getting more complicated by the day. Like, let's go this way. You think Martin Jones helped his draft or helped his trade stock by uh, no blowing like, and he, he he wasn't alone in blowing the lead. I'm not trying to make it sound like. like for God's sakes, look at the turnover that Ivan Provorov had oh. where they score the game-winning goal in that game. That's not, you know, Martin Jones didn't say throw it up the middle like that, but whatever. Right. Um, like, my point being, they already turned down a fifth-round pick for Martin Jones, according to reports. Yep. Well, if, I don't know if you can shoot much higher. Like, it might be it's becoming a sixth at this point. <laughs> like, like seriously, it's going the opposite direction. The guy didn't even play. Then you throw him into a game to play. He actually looks pretty good, all things considered, for a chunk yeah. of the game, and then you end up losing anyway. Um, but sounds about right. But like I'm talking about, like, like to me, Derek Broussard is going to have maybe one chance left to get back into the lineup to see if he can give himself some value to go somewhere. And if not, his goal to get back into the lineup is to show he has a reason to play next year for somebody. Right. right. And but, but at the beginning of the year, as he was building up like a good stat, you know, like a good no- good numbers, he was like it was modest for what he was paid and all that type of stuff. Sure, it was a good value. 
to me, he was worth a third. I agree. Like, like I'm sorry, a guy who is pushing double digits in goals or could be pushing double digits in goals or is on that pace and is a great is, bottom and, six guy well, for the playoffs. And not only that, but was basically brought in to be just that. Yep. Hey, he signed for under a million dollars, which, by the way, what team with cap issues that wants a veteran player who can do that? Yep. Isn't jumping all over that. Exactly. No, they can even retain half the salary and make it a cap at a $450,000. Right. Take the contract back if you need it. No problem. Like, there's the Flyers have all sorts of options right now. Well, with guys like that, sure they do. Like, you can right. retain as much salary as you want on guys like that for the rest of the year with one year deals. Yep. I mean, look, they could do it with Braun just as easily, and Braun doesn't even make that much money. Like, I'm. I think, and I think Giroux, getting it done on Giroux is going to be almost a certainty because playoff teams just don't have $8 million floating around. Giroux, it's going to be 50 minimum. I'm sorry? Like, it's going to be 50 minimum. Like, they'll eat half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easy. Uh, I wonder, and I don't know, I don't know how, you know, reasonable this is, but I wonder if they're considering going through another team and getting retention again. Uh, uh, Well, like a three-team deal? Yep. Yeah, I could see some of that to potentially. And, and we've seen that kind of pick up in vogue a little bit recently, and that gets Claude Giroux's number down pretty significantly. Right. I mean, I don't know. It it, it feels like it's going to be a challenge just because of pieces that need to be moved and things like that because it's going to be a big deal. But either way, um, it, when it, it's just when you look at all those guys, like you're trying to pick up value. I'd be looking at like when it comes to Braun, when it comes to Ristolainen. Any picks from next year you can get. Start yep. cornering the market on picks for next year. Like, you know, you can look. You can definitely do it this year, too. I'm not trying to make it sound like don't go after picks this year. But, like, imagine if you got – not even if you could replace the first. I'm not worried about replacing the first completely here. But, like, what if you got a second for Ristolainen? Pooh, that would be fantastic. Thrown in there. Like, you know, what if you could do that? What if you could – you know, think, what if what if Braun got you a, a second or third next year? Like – I would be surprised if Braun goes that high. If Braun gets into the second round, I'd be pretty surprised. Okay, hang on. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another reason why. What if you take the? What's he making? One point eight million dollars. Yeah. What if, what if you ate half of his salary too, just to make it sure? Happen? Sure, you get it under saying? a million. So for nine hundred thousand dollars, you're going to get a player that that's the cap hit. Nine hundred thousand dollars, you're going to get a player who's vet, who's a veteran who's been to a Stanley Cup final before, who, you know, has should have motivation to play for a team that's got a shot. I could see a team like Toronto doing something like that. Well, I see I could before they made another trade. Uh, well, even still, you know, they have enough issues on well, defense and, that I could right, well, see here, them picking up a little additional depth. Well, and here's the other thing I'll say about that, too. A month is a long time. Yep. One freak injury to one of these popular teams, and they're out there digging. Like, I mean, let's just wait. Why did the Flyers have Peter Morozik all those years ago? No, you you didn't really need a goalie until you were without a goalie, and you went, "Uh uh-oh, playoff run, we need a goalie. Yep. You make the trade for a couple picks, but you make the trade, and this would be the same situation, I would would imagine. if When it gets close, if a team's missing a piece and they go, we don't know what the deal is, you know. But things anyway, get, you br- things get very interesting on deadline day. Sure. But anyway, you brought up Drew Hellison and you brought up yeah. who he was recently playing for, so we can close out the show with this and then get out of here. Yeah, we're gonna touch on the Winter Olympics here, and I will be completely honest with you. <laughs> I haven't watched a whole lot just because the timeline doesn't really particularly work out when the games are in China. Yeah, I mean, listen, I uh, believe me, as I'm watching some of those games, you're sitting here going, "Come on, please," and like, <laughs> like, 
I'll, I'll go here. I'll go to this one first because this was the team that was out first, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Drew Hellison. There you go. But there, here's the reason I'm bringing this up for like this reason. They get knocked out in the quarterfinal. First of all, by the way, we nobody. I don't. I don't know. Had game started. Game definitely not started for the men's teams yet. At when our last show was correct. Women's games had started, but the men's were still a couple so days the away. Men, so the men's team goes out. I mean, look, they beat China in the beginning, which okay, that was kind of predictable. But they beat Canada for the first time since 2010 in like group play, obviously, and then. They had to play Germany in their final game of group play, and they win that too. They they bypass this basically what was like a playing game, this playoff qualifier, to reseed the rest of the teams beyond the top four. Okay. And they basically are essentially one of, if not number one, they are like close to. Like they were like one of the top teams in terms of group play results. Right. They're undefeated. They haven't lost a game, all that stuff. And then they're playing Slovakia. They gave up the first goal. I think they got the next two. And they're up, and they're still up, and there's a minute left in the game, and they gave up the tying goal. And then you – this is where I'm coming from, and this is where you're right with the timeline stuff. Because then you're stuck sitting through – like, look, I'm, it's it's 10 minutes of three-on-three three overtime. Right. Sounds exciting as hell. It was yeah. actually you – well, know, here's the thing. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't fully exciting. The last three minutes were pretty darn good. The first seven were boring. Well, and you see, and you've seen that at the NHL level too, that the three on the three has kind of been quote unquote solved by taking it back, cycling it around, passing it back to your goalie, getting fresh legs on the ice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But anyway, rather rinse repeat. So they do that. And then, of course, like you decide a literally, like literally a game that can put you in the met, like the real medal round at this point, because you're going to be playing in a semifinal and then win or lose, you're going to play for a medal the next game. And the game that gets you there is decided by a shootout. Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating. You know, but either way, like the other part that was frustrating is also after you watch this and the game had started at what, 11, 10 at night? At my time, anyway. For you, it's 10 o'clock at night. Right. But either way, like that game finally ended at like 2 a.m. here. <laughs> like that's yeah, a long, that's a long night to have to sit through Hey, game got tied. Now they got to do ten minutes of overtime. Now they got to do a shootout. The shootout is not three rounds, by the way. It's five. Oh, I, I'd be going to bed. Overtime's over. Okay, the game's a tie. I'll find out who won in the morning. Nah, see at that point, I know it's not going to be that long. That's the problem. The shootout takes what ten more minutes. But it sucks so bad. Yeah, I'd rather I know. Spend those, I'd rather spend those ten minutes brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed. So either way, all right. Listen, either way. It was disappointing, though, because they looked like they were poised to at least get to a semifinal game. I don't know who they would have played, but get to a semifinal game. Maybe see if you can't get into the gold medal game. If not, you were going to at least be playing for bronze, and that would have been something. You know, because I don't think there was expectations for the men's team at all. No. No. Once, for a lot of people, kind of myself included, once the plug was pulled on the NHL, the excitement kind of drained out of the Olympics uh, from the from the hockey perspective. Um, I know that affected me pretty bad, and I, I definitely right. would have 
I would have sacrificed more sleep to watch if NHL players were involved. Yeah, I hear to be you. Completely there. Honest. Well, and here's the, and here's the thing because there's a, that's the argument because there's people who go, oh, it shouldn't be NHL players at all; it should be amateurs. And there's others that sit there and say, but this is supposed to be the best in the world. Well, the best in the world are the pros, like, right? And the only reason, I, fun fact, I learned this recently: the only reason the Olympics were originally for amateurs only is because basically the rich guy who brought the Olympics back in 1896 wanted rich people to compete and didn't want poor people to compete so you had to be amateur and basically poor people couldn't afford it mm. yeah interesting yeah um, fun fact either way um because well because here's here's my defense of both sides of that argument like i like i do like the amateur players being part of it like the idea that like the idea that it's kind of like another junior team you know what i mean like it, it, there is something to that like hey oh, a for sure. college kids are gonna go and try to win gold and go upset the Russians like right. there's there's some nostalgia to that I think this year though that a lot of stuff got screwed up at least for because let's just wait US the men's hockey tournament just ended late last night so Saturday night was the um was that okay Sunday morning in China okay Saturday night in the US was when the final was when the gold medal game was played Finland won by the way right 2-1 over uh the Whatever the oh, athletes Russian from Olympic Russia Committee are called, is what it is, I think, is Russian Olympic yeah. Committee or whatever. Team Russia, yes, <laughs> basically. Either way, I think is th- this was the first time in a long time, truthfully, a law, really long time, that both I think since two thousand six, maybe, that both the U.S. and Canada didn't medal in men's hockey. Wow. At least one of them, like the U.S., didn't medal like last time either. Like, is two thousand six also the last year that didn't have NHL players compete? No, it did because in 06, it was actually, believe it or not, in 06, it was a European headliner. Right, 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 right. Finland. And I believe, believe it or not, you know who the goaltender for, I want to see if you know, who was the goaltender for Finland that year in 2006? Finland. Man. All right, let, hold on. I'll try to give you more of a layup on the other side. Who was the goaltender for Sweden? You know, in 06. 06. Oh come on! This one's that—that's the easier one of the two. Yeah, but this is a very long time ago. I'm sure. No, I know, here. but okay, he didn't. He was still playing in the NHL not that long ago. Very it wasn't, re- wasn't Rene, was it? Well, he's say that long ago. Oh, he's finished. Right, right, right. And no, so he—he he was. But not he wasn't the on the other side. Finished. Okay. No, but the goalie for Sweden was it uh, Henrik Lundqvist? Yes. Okay. Henrik Lundqvist was the goalie for Sweden. I didn't know when he came in. I thought he might have come in after 2006, but okay. No, he was the goalie then, and he was just okay. as good then as he was every other time. <sighs> Man, because they 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 won. This was Finland's first gold medal in in men's hockey, obviously. So okay, like they didn't win gold that day either. So Henrik Lundqvist got a gold medal that year. I don't remember. I don't know who the Finnish goalie was. Okay, I'm gonna give you. I'll try to give you a hint to see if I can sway your memory a little bit, because I will tell you that at the time he was a flyer. Okay, okay, man, there were a lot of flyers. <laughs> there were a lot of flyers goalies. Um, I'm only gonna list two names and then I'm gonna give up. Okay, John Van Beesbroek. Which is dumb because I just remembered that he's what Canadian. He's American. American. Okay, so I'm stupid. John Van Beesbroek was um, the general manager of the Olympic team. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I remembered as I said it because I'm dumb. Was it Roman Czechbonic? No. Um, okay. 
I have to look back up where. I also don't from. know where Roman Czechmonic was from, so. Uh, the goalie. I'm double checking it just to make sure I remember correctly, but I believe this was the case. The uh, goalie for Finland that year was Antero Nidamaki. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Who, who, oh yeah. Not only that, who also, despite not winning the gold medal, was the MVP of the tournament. Wow. Um. Yeah. That's to me. He's Antero. Uh. Fl- Phantoms legend Antero Nidamaki. Okay, so let's let, let's let's have some fun with this here for a minute. Now, okay. now we're down this rabbit hole. Um, I'm trying to go through here for a minute because. Okay, so Team Finland, yeah, and Taro Nidamaki was the main goaltender. Um, trying to see if there's any other good names on here, or better yet, maybe maybe do who who are the other flyers were in the tournament. Uh, I can tell you one player who eventually became a flyer who was in that tournament for Finland. Okay. Oh come on, you should know this one. Sammy, Ka- Sammy Kapanen? Uh he might have actually been. In, he might have been, but I was gonna say, like, he probably was in that tournament. <laughs> Should have played for Team Finland, yeah. Um, wait a minute. No, I don't think he was. I got Did... Nico Kapanen, not Sammy. Sammy Kapanen gets snubbed in two thousand six. Maybe he just didn't. Or he, you know what? He was always hurt a lot when he was playing in the NHL down the stretch. That's he might fair. not have been able to go. No, I'm talking about Kimo Timonen. Oh, Kimo Timonen. That's fair. Okay. Um, there's. A, I mean, the Finnish team has a couple really good names on it. Miko Koivu's on that team. Zach Koivu was on the team. Ole Jokinen, UC Jokinen. Um, Turns out they do those family things team, real well. Team cap. The team captain for Finland that year should be another layup. Zetterberg. No, one of the best known Zetterberg, I think, was is Swedish. Is he Swedish? Yeah, okay, man. I mean, I do, they're I all close not, together. I do not know my Scandinavian NHLers. I apologize, or my Nord, my Nordic NHLers. I mean, come on, he's the best known Finnish player out there. It's literally part of his nickname. Yari Curry. No. No, who am I thinking Most of? Most sticks. Oh, okay. Won a Stanley Cup right after, like a year later. Help me. <laughs> Timu Solani. Okay. Yep. It's time. It's time to wrap the show. I know. Hang on. I'm going to Sweden really quick because somebody was on. Oh, you know who was on Team Sweden that year? That was a flyer, actually. Again, Hall of Fame player. Future, uh, future flyer Peter Forsberg. Uh, at you mean future former flyer at that point because future former future flyer. I don't know. No, he was already former he, and no, also he, future former. No, no, no. He was already no. He was already there as a member of the Flyers. That was his first year with the Flyers. Oh, 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 oh! Right, right, right. No, he I won a gold medal Olympic year. Although he was not uh, what's it called? He was not even part of their leadership group over there because it's. You're gonna say? I thought you're gonna say he was not uh, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I mean, please. This is. You want to hear how loaded this team was? This Sweden yeah. team. Uh, Zetterberg was on it, by the way. But no, yeah. uh, team captain. Uh, was playing for Toronto at the time. Matt Sundin? Yes. Okay. Uh, there is also right above his name on the list. This is just an alphabetical order, so I'm like going from I'm going from Z to A, I guess, in this case. But uh, right above his name is two people who played together an awful lot. I think their entire careers. Okay. Man, I'm not I'm not going to be able they to guess. Played for, Van- played for Vancouver. Oh, the Sedin twins. Yes. Okay. Uh, got them. Uh, I said Forsberg already. Here's an alternate who was playing for Ottawa at the time, but did play had a cup of co- coffee in a couple other spots. Alfredson? Yes. Okay. Indeed. 
Uh, the other alternate was playing for Detroit. Did for the did for his entire career, I believe, because I don't remember him playing anywhere else. He won like four Stanley Cups. That doesn't really narrow it down in Detroit, to be honest. Uh, okay, he was the, he was the defenseman who played on those teams and won four Stanley Cups. Oh, um, um, was it Nicholas Cronwall? Uh, Nicholas Cromwell is on the team, but it wasn't him. Oh, okay. But, like, I think I get credit for that. You do get credit for <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> Who's the other one? Lidstrom. Okay, Lidstrom. Fair enough. And then, and, and then Henrik Lundqvist is your goalie. Oof, that's a good team. Come on. Oh, is that a good team? Oh, wait, hold on. Little footnote for Team Sweden. Marcus Naslin was initially selected but didn't play due to a groin injury. He was replaced Sheesh. by Tomas Holmstrom. To be fair, I think that was kind of old man. It probably was. By that point. <laughs> All right. Either way, congratulations to Finland. Uh, 2-1 over yeah, okay, so really, whatever yeah. Russia iced. I guess, yeah, really quick before we get out of here with this, and we're not going to talk about old men's Olympic teams anymore, but I did want to throw this one up there too because you know, yeah, absolutely. We, we do need to give shout-out to the women's team as well. Because first of all, by the way, when the U.S. women's team, like when, when U.S. women's hockey plays Canada women's hockey, it's something else. they're man. always entertaining games. And it's this, it's and, like and, Flyers and, Penguins, and it happened. Well, I don't know about that anymore, but like most of the time, no Flyers Penguins has kind of lost its luster. This is always okay. good. That's fair. You're <laughs> when right. When these two teams play, it's always good. Um, and and better yet, we got it twice during the tournament because they yep. played in group play first, and then you know we got a teaser. The shame of okay, so here's the shame of it to me because in group play, U.S. was actually clearly the better team for most of right. the game. They just couldn't score enough. They were not the better team in the gold medal game. Like that was. Uh, for for the most part, a clinic. I mean, oh, yeah. look, I can't. I, I'm not trying to discredit scoring a goal to make it three two with 12 seconds left, but it was very much too little, too late by that point. Right. Like, well, and it turns out Marie Philippe Poulin is just ridiculous. Just a legend, an just absolute ridiculous. freaking legend. Like, literally has four golden goals. Is there anybody more clutch than she is? No, no. Tom by, Brady? No. By, okay. <laughs> yeah, really. By the way, did you hear the Elliot? Did you hear the Elliot Friedman report? He gave it during Hockey Night in Canada. Where, I did uh, not. Saturday, where apparently Montreal has reached out to her. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she has declined yeah, the offer. No, well, yes, but basically the offer is not, "Hey, w- will you work for us?" It's when you're ready, let us know. Yep. Which <laughs> makes total freaking sense. I mean, how about that for a front office though? If she becomes involved in their front office in some way or whatever, oh, like, well, no, I'm saying, incredible. You you're you're Montreal Canadiens. You're one of the best known franchises in all sports. Probably one of the best in hockey in general. You're, you and, have an entire language to yourself. Yeah, I hear you. But like on top of it, you just hired like okay, so Kent Hughes is their new GM. Which okay, that's not as much of a noisemaker as some like it's not like it's a former player who came in and like as like like imagine if Patrick Waugh was suddenly the GM of the team after being, like after having being a potential coaching option or something, right? Like right. imagine if that happened. But Martin San Louis is now your head coach. Your assistant general manager is Vincent LeCavalier. and now you're going to possibly bring in Marie Philippe Poulin. Somebody to, call Anton Hudobin to come be a goalie coach. <laughs> Why Anton Hudobin? Because we're re- reuniting the 2006 Tampa Bay Lightning. Hello? Six or 04? Oh, you mean uh, Nikolai Habibulin. Oh, Nikolai Habibulin. That's who it was. Okay. I was going to say Anton Hudobin was no, you're right. Dallas two years ago. And no, somebody fun. somebody call Nikolai Habibulin. Just get the whole gang back coach? together. What's Brad Richards up to? <laughs> I don't think I want to know the answer to that. <laughs> I hear you, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm just saying, like, take every... Okay, how about what's Dave Andrzejczyk up to? He's probably working in a front office somewhere. 
I think he has. Or, I think he has ties to Tampa. To be honest, I'll be honest with you, Dave Andrushuk, and this isn't meant in, you know, in any sort of offense. He looks like the kind of guy who owns a hardware store. He probably. I mean, he was your every every guy kind of. You know, right? And I'm like, and I'm saying that with affection in my my tone here. It's certainly not an insult, but he he looks like he owns your local Ace Hardware branch. You know. He's a nice guy. Is, is, okay, so, sure. So, so if he's supposed to be – well, if we're on the subject of longtime captains who finally got to win a cup and then rode off into the sunset. So if he owns the hardware store, then I guess Rod Brindamore owns the local gym. Rod Brindamore doesn't own the gym. He owns a bar nearby, but he's the best-looking guy nah. at the gym, and he's there all the time. Nah, he looks like the guy who owns the gym, who is, like, <laughs> putting together the training programs, motivating people. That's right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. We are going to go ahead and get out of here. We will be back next week. In the meantime, make sure to check us out on our YouTube page. Uh, you know, we're trying to grow that over there. We are doing our weekly premieres, or at least we're trying to. It was the whole reason we skipped last week was so we didn't compete with the Super Bowl. There you go. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, sportstalkphilly.com. Follow the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. And uh, I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. We'll, we'll be back next week and probably have more losses to talk about. <laughs> Definitely. Right? <laughs> All right. So until then, send us a tweet, watch the YouTube video, send it to your friends, and say it. Yeah.